Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, we're going to finish up um, a call to discipleship. This is part five, so we'll just do just a teeny bit of review and then move into the last message message this morning. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Everybody doing okay? Oh, good. You look great. Keep it up. You look good. All right, well, let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for utterance as we teach and preach in boldness, Lord. We thank you, Father, uh, Lord, that you're just bringing us to, and your plan and your desire and your heart is to just bring us to different, higher and higher levels with you from glory to glory, Lord, knowing you more, um, understanding your word, that revelation. We just thank you for it this morning. We give you praise and honor. We love you and magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're just going to review real quick. Um, The first one, you don't have to turn to these, but you probably could jot them down if you missed, or you can go back and listen online. But a disciple, the first thing that we talked about was a disciple lays down their own will and way to follow him. And we saw that in Matthew 16, 21 through 25, um, that uh, we put... um, we, we lay aside, it says, if anyone wishes to follow me as a disciple, he must deny himself, right? And that is set aside self-interest and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come to follow him, right? We talked about that, laying down our life for him. Follow me is, is actually Jesus's call to follow him is more than an invitation to pray a prayer. We said this, it is a summons to lose your life and find new life and ultimate joy and fulfillment in him. He is joy. Do we trust him enough to lay down our life and what we think will bring us joy and happiness and just lay our life down and submit to him and yield to him and allow him, right, to bring those things into our life. We can trust him in that. Sometimes I think we just try to figure everything out on our own and we miss out on so much better. I'd rather have God figuring things out than myself because I've tried both and his is always better, amen? But this is a daily thing, and discipleship is a process. A process, right? It's not perfection here. To be a disciple, you don't have to reach this certain spot of being perfect. We know that from Peter. We saw that. Um, He responded a lot of times out of zeal, and God just, Jesus just, okay, come on, Peter. This is, you know, come on, stick with me, Peter. You know, and so he's patient. Thank the Lord he's patient, amen? We just have to, a disciple stays the course. The second thing we talked about is a disciple acknowledges him in all his ways. All, not part, not a few, not five, not 10. All his ways acknowledge, and we looked at that in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's putting him in that proper place of authority in your life, right? It's not just about, Lord, should I take this step? This st-? I'm talking about like literal steps, right? But it's actually listening, listening and heeding and knowing his voice is just this constant thing in your life. You're just constant fellowship. How many are driving in your car and you just talk to God sometimes? And he talks to you. 
How many are getting ready or eating breakfast or whatever and you're talking to God? There's this constant communication going on in your spirit with the Lord. That is placing him in proper authority and then what happens when we do that, when we're actually aware of his presence in our life and aware of our new nature, then he, we can actually just be going about our day and he can say something and we catch it like that and we obey. That's acknowledging him in all of your ways, acknowledging his presence and his authority in your life to be listening. We should always be listening for his instruction because I bet you he's got instruction for everything that we do. He's a good father. As a mother, as a father, we wanna instruct our kids and help them the, the best we can. We train them in all of these things and, and I know that God's heart is so much better than mine in that. It's perfect, amen? So he's for you. Um, listening to his leading, listening for his leading. The third thing we talked about is his voice is the most honored voice in a disciple's life. And this was from Matthew 10, 37. We honor his voice above all others. That's the one where it talks about if you love this, this more than me, you're not worthy of me. That's what it's talking, it's not saying that you, you, you hate them. Some translations say hate, that just means love less. He's the most important one in your life. He's the one you're listening to because um, he knew that people are imperfect, that they're gonna miss it, that they're not gonna hear it 100 all the time, right? They're gonna miss it, they're people, they're still operating in this, this, with this natural stuff. So you've gotta hear the voice of God in things. We talked about what things are not leading, so you can go back and listen to that. Uh, the fourth thing that we talked about um, is he sounds like his word. This was last week. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father are in perfect unity is which we, what we saw in John 16, 13 through 15. And then we looked at John 8, 31 and 32. If you abide in my word, right? And we talked about abide means to remain, live, and I love this, you fused. I mean, there is like, you don't separate. You don't separate and compartmentalize your life. You remain in him in all areas. This is your home, this is where you stay, this is where you live, this is where you, you don't just vacation there in God, in that relationship, you stay there, you remain and you abide in his word. Um, and it says, you are my disciple indeed if you abide in my word. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. A disciple abides. He understands that there are not, these are not just words on a page, but according to 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 17, they are God-breathed, inspired words from God to us, right? I mean, how powerful, you need to just sit and meditate on that for a second, that, that these are God-breathed, they're inspired, they're divine, they're divine words, and so the Holy Spirit and the Word working together, when you come up to a situation in life, and you say, Lord, where are we going? What are we doing? You're honoring His, His authority, right? Lord, what do you, what do you say? What do you think, what, do we, what should we do? And the word of the Lord rises in you and you go and you look at that and then you apply that to that situation no matter what it looks like or feels like, right? And that is amazing, that is powerful because then you apply that word to that situation 
And the anointing in that breaks the yoke of bondage in that area. It gives you light in that area. It gives you direction in that area. The word of God is a must. Remember we talked about the small percentage of born again believers who actually sit and read their word. It's astounding. Not in this church. I'd like to say the 80% of those that feed on the word of God, amen? So allow the Lord to challenge you in that um, area. He honors, the disciple honors and respects his word and is a student of them because he knows the life and the power and the weight that they hold, that every word is perfect and powerful and understanding. That talks, that's actually sounds a lot like reverence and honor. You know, we, uh, we had a teacher in Bible school, actually he didn't teach me, but we listened to him quite a bit and he would talk about when you come in and you're listening to the word of God and the, the, the preaching is going forth, that you should be sitting up straight in your seat, ready and hungry and drawing, get your paper, get your notebook, all this stuff, get your Bible open and just be attentive. God is speaking. Not, oh, it's the word, oh, it's that scripture again. You know, there were people in Jesus day that took offense to the word of God and they missed out on the freedom standing right in front of them. So we don't get offended by the word of God, right? Disciples do not get offended by the word. But the word can effectually be at work in us and in our life. Amen? So today we're going to actually go on to the last one here, and it's a disciple is kingdom-minded. You ever heard that before? Kingdom-minded. A disciple is kingdom-minded. To be kingdom-minded is to keep God at the center of all that we do. It's a framework that allows us to see things from God's point of view. Being heavenly-minded or kingdom-minded is eternity-focused. And I'm just, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this part because I didn't, this is not, I was, thought I was going to go here, but this isn't exactly where the Lord wanted us to go today. But eternity minded, you think about everything that Jesus did when you, when you actually go through the gospels and you uh, read about the life of Jesus and him walking on the earth, his main purpose was to accomplish and to spread and to, um, show people what he was there to do. And that was to be, bring people back into fellowship with the Father. He was eternity-minded. He came, right? He, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He came so that people could, we could have, we could have something after this life. We could, we, you know, because there are, there are two places, right? It's either one or the other. There's no like, you know, middle place. You know, there's one. So everything that Jesus did and everything that these disciples were taught to do it was to bring glory and honor to the Lord, but to show them that, listen, I've got something else for your future. Come and follow me. It was to bring us to that place, to save us from damnation, praise the Lord. And so I think about, you know, and um, I think about 
even you, you think about all the signs and wonders and miracles that came, they were to show forth the glory of God. They were to, they were a sign to the unbeliever. I mean, it's pretty hard to argue when a limb grows out that there's a God. Pretty hard to argue that. And so we as a church, we need to keep that in mind, that when we are believing God for this move of this, these, these signs, wonders, and miracles, that it's going to be a sign also to those that, the unbelievers. This church is about bringing people to the kingdom of God. This church is about populating heaven, right? That's the main thrust. This is why we're here. You realize each and every one of you sitting in here, myself, all of us, we have something specifically designed by God to do with our life. And in it all, it promotes come to him, come to him, come follow him, come meet him, come spend eternity with him. It's kingdom-minded work. So um, also kingdom-minded is to change where we put our focus and how we make decisions and the way that we treat others. So we're kingdom-minded in everything. A kingdom-minded person looks at how his reality can affect, how his reality can affect this natural world constantly. I mean, I need to be more aware of this in my life. A kingdom-minded person doesn't just go to work in a day to make a dollar. They're not just thinking that way. They're thinking with a, with a God perspective of, okay, I'm going to work today. Where's the divine appointment, Lord? Where's the person? Where's the situation? Where's it at? Where's it at? I'm, I'm going to get it. You're going to be a better worker if you actually think like this. Just saying. Right? Because you're working as unto the Lord and not as unto men. Oh, my gosh, Josh. <laughs> okay seriously where was I okay a kingdom minded person right we look at life differently we don't just get into the mundane of life and think oh here we go another day no we wake up with our feet hitting the ground saying Lord what you got for me today what do you have to what do you have for me to do today where's it at what are we going to accomplish for you today and for your kingdom? That's a kingdom-minded person. We don't just sit and think and settle on and operate out of the natural, but we operate out of the supernatural, heavenly, kingdom-minded place, knowing that at any moment, because we're believing for this, because we're believing that this, it says, it says pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send laborers across. Listen, you should say, pick me. I'm one of your labors. I'm one of your labors. And uh, anyway, so kingdom mind and person. So we're going to look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 3. Or 1 through 3. And it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and let me tell you, witnesses are those that by faith walked in victory. You know, in the previous chapters, it's the hall of the, the faith, of the hall of fame, right? The heroes of faith, right? 
They walked by faith and victory. They weren't perfect. If you notice that about every single one of them, they all made mistakes. Some of them like mistakes you'd be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they did that. But they continued to just pursue God and they were an example to us. If you've never read through Hebrews 11, Hebrews but just go and read these, every single one. I mean, just, a, just an amazing move of God through ordinary people who made mistakes, but just didn't give up, just kept going. There's hope for us. <laughs> There's hope for us. We just keep going. We don't limit God. We don't give up on him. He's not giving up on us, amen? But it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, we're going to look at, um, and the reason why I think this, this is so good is you'll notice that Paul uses, and there's a lot of, in the word, a lot of uh, um, examples of athletics and things like that. How many have played athletics in here? I mean, I think most everybody, but um, there is some discipline that comes into athletics. My son is going to start basketball, and uh, I'm a little bit concerned for his first week. <laughs> You'll be fine, it'll be great. But I just remember in basketball, I actually told Sean this the other day, I go, I go don't you just, uh, this was a while back, don't you just miss, like, working out so hard, you puke? You know? <laughs> I kind of do. I kind of miss that. kind of miss what it feels like when you're in shape, you know? <laughs> but anyways, athletics, they, he uses that a lot, but, but a disciple knows and this is kingdom-minded, that they're running for something much bigger than what you see in the natural right now. And the enemy is really good at throwing different things into your life that can be weights and hindrances to your run, your race, right? And uh, I love this. Actually, Andrew Womack said it this. He said, sin is not the only thing that hinders us in our race. If we are living in sin, we need to quit it. I like that. He's pretty like, just quit it. Stop. Just stop it. Just stop it. But it's important to realize that there are other things that are not blatant sin that will hinder us in our race. Just as a runner must remove weights to achieve the best results, we need to rid ourselves of things that keep us from getting maximum results. We can get some results, but we can get some maximum results. We can get some maximum results. Um, he goes on to say, these weights can differ from person to person, but things that, and he points this out, but things that occupy our time are certainly weights to our spiritual race. The runner, it says in this scripture, it says, lay aside every weight. Let's not even talk about sins. We've been talking enough about that, right? 
We know, what, we know when, when God is dealing with us about a sin in our life and we need to get rid of it. And we should do it quick. We should be quick to obey because it's only causing us harm. Amen? But weights, every, lay aside all weights, every single one. How do you know what a weight is in your life? If they're not sin, how do you know? How do I know that I have weights keeping me and holding me down? How do I know that? It comes from relationship with the Lord and actually asking him and allowing him to honestly speak into your life and say, listen, these are weights. But Lord, I love that. Yeah, I know you do, but it's a weight. But Lord, I love those friends. Yeah, you can love them from a distance because they can be weights, especially young people in here. Friends, allow the Lord to help you choose good, godly friends. Now, we've told our kids, it doesn't mean you're not friendly to people, but you are not called to be everybody's best friend. And that can be a weight. I know when uh, Sean got saved, um, when we first met, he had just given his heart to the Lord, and he lost, not lost, he well, he, he just, he had no friends. He had me and Mike as friends. And Jody, Jody, you were there. I mean, we're pretty great friends, but just us. <laughs> and, and maybe Luke. Luke Hudson was a friend. He gave his heart to the Lord back then too, at the same time. But he had to, and why did he have to do that? Because if he continued to entertain those areas of his life, those bad influences, those places that he knew were not going to help him, they would be a weight to his run, to his life. The Lord has been dealing with me about weights. There are certain things, and this is where, like what Andrew Womack said, it's different for every person, but this is where you have to honestly come to the Lord and say, Lord, what are the things that are not helping me get maximum results in my life? What are the things? What are the priorities that I have placed in my own life that you did not place in my life as priority. Listen, if he has that final authority and say in our life, and we know by Proverbs that you acknowledge him in all of your ways and he directs your path, but we're trying to veer off and make some paths of our own. You're going to be frustrated and weighted down in your run for him. You're going to have some things that are pulling you down, and they're not sin. They're not necessarily things of sin. Now, if the Lord starts dealing with us, and we just ignore it, and we're not obedient, well, then that's sin. But if we, the Lord's not going to just bust in and clean out our own life. He doesn't do that. He lets us in relationship come to him 
and sit down and have a real conversation of, Lord, and, and I've done this with some things like in the word of God and promises of the word of God. I'm like, Lord, this is what your word says. Why am I not seeing this in my life? Because I know that you're not wrong. And I know that your word says that you don't withhold any good thing from me. So where am I missing it? Where am I not seeing it? Where am I, uh, am I not, uh, show me. And he's so good, he shows you. And sometimes it hurts when he shows you. But I know because I know God and I trust him and he's a good father and I know that he only wants what's best for me, I know then that if he's telling me something that hurts my flesh and then I make the adjustment to it, that it's actually only gonna help me be less frustrated in my run for him. And this life that he's laid out for me because we are called to bear fruit. We are designed to bear fruit, and we have the seed of, the, of, of Christ in us. We have the anointing, the Holy Spirit living in us, and the ability to take a seed like that and plant it every day, in every way. I'm a poet, and I didn't know it. We have that ability to plant seeds in people at our jobs. We have that ability to plant good seeds into our relationships, into our marriages, into our families, into our children. We have that ability to do so. One of the biggest things and one of the biggest weights that we deal with, I think, in what Andrew Womack brought it right here, were things that occupy your time. You know, I, I mean, I love, and we've probably talked about this before, and Mark can attest to this because he loves this too, and Sean loves this. And, but I love reading about men and women who, just ordinary men and women in our day and age, who have just chose, I'm a disciple, this is the way I'm going, I'm purposed here, whatever it takes, God, and they've seen these amazing, amazing things in their life. They've seen the hand of God move, like, like some of these people back in the, you know, the Hall of Fame. They've seen amazing things, and I'm thinking, okay, what, okay. And I, and I kind of think like this, okay. And it's not like we do things ritual, like ritual, in ritualistic ways or anything like that, because this is not about religion or anything like do it this way, this way, and then you've got this step, this step, this step, this step, this step. But there are truths that these people decided on and implemented in their life that helped them get to these places where, like we've talked about before, where, um, where there are places you will go because you trust God, but there are then places you will go because God trusts you. You say there's places like that? Yes, there are. And I wanna go there. Ha! Huh. I wanna go there. And remember we talked about, I think a few weeks back, that 
that all of this talk about discipleship and all of this talk about like what, what Mark's been bringing forth and what Sean's been bringing forth and even Mike and just the different ones that preach is all about God is saying, faith family church, what have you heard? Are you listening? Apply what you've heard because I've got greater things to show you. And when we're kingdom minded, because we are, we're not just thinking, oh, greater things for me. Yes, we're included in that, but no. Greater things to reach farther into people that don't know Jesus. To be, to really be his hands and feet. To really be those that go and make disciples because we're kingdom-minded. We're not just thinking about our own day and our own way and what I have to do and my schedule and all of these things, but we're actually allowing the Lord to come in and interrupt it all if he wants to. Interrupt it all if he wants to. How many say I want that in my life? I mean, we really do. I believe you do. I believe I do. We do. And God's going to take us to those just level after level after level. If we could, oh my goodness. Sometimes he just shows a glimpse of what's in the future. And it's just a glimpse because I probably couldn't handle all of it. In fact, we couldn't. We wouldn't be able to handle everything because it's just so awesome. And then we try to like do our own thing to get there. We try to make our own plans and oh, I gotta make this work. No, you just need to be a disciple of Christ. Follow him and allow him to speak to you. All right, yep, that's a weight. Nope, don't need that. God, you're saying this is a weight? Okay, don't need that. Because, and I, let me finish this, that one of the main things that these men and women of God that saw just amazing moves of God, right? One of the common denominators in that was is they spent a lot of time praying. They spent a lot of time in their word. They would lay things aside, remove things out of their life just to be with God. You know, I love what Bill Johnson said one time. This is so good. He goes, when you physical hunger, right? And you, set, you, you can satisfy physical hunger, can't you? But spiritual hunger, hunger for the things of God, only makes you more hungry. I'm telling you, you sit down and you read your word and you discipline your flesh to get before the Lord, get to read his word, and he speaks even one sentence to you, and you'll be like, oh, I want more. How many can attest to that? It's good. God is good. He knows what we need. He's a good father. And so these weights that we're talking about here in Hebrews... Remember, is not necessarily sin. So, so athletes, and whether you believe it or not, you're all athletes in here, okay? We're running a race for the Lord. Remember, Paul said, run the race that's been set before, right? We talking about, we're talking about that there's, there's so much more than just our everyday life. There is an end goal in here, all right? It's to walk into heaven and God say, what preacher said, uh, well, you made it, but well done, good and faithful servant. 
well done. You've done so much with what I've given you. And we won't even see everything until we get to heaven about the lives that have been ministered to through us. I mean, it's going to be amazing. What a party that's going to be. But a weight is from the Greek word ogkos. It's O-G-K-O-S. A word that describes a burden or something so heavy and cumbersome that impedes a runner from running his race as he should. So really, the way that the Lord showed this to me, for me personally, is, is that as long as, if the Lord is, if I'm laying things before him, I'm like, Lord, I, okay, what are the things? And he's showing me what these things are, and I continue to leave them in my life, that I'm actually causing more difficulty in my walk with him. I'm doing that. No person is doing that to me. It's not somebody else's fault. It's my own. But I am actually causing my own problems by allowing weights to just stay on me. It is hard to run with weights. It is harder to run with weights. He is saying, allow me to speak to you about the things that are trying to hold you back or slow you down that are not helping you get those maximum results. Allow me to, to speak to you what those are. And then by the grace of God, you can actually get help laying those things aside. His grace helps us live for him. His grace is so good. It's his ability. Amen? So this implies that unnecessary things in our life can actually make living for him very difficult. Things that he did not lead in can be heavy. Things that he did not lead you to do can actually be very heavy. They can be restricting. On the flip side of that, things that he leads you to do can be very propelling. Obedience, right? It's those that are obedient, willing and obedient, that eat the good of the land the Bible talks about. The Passion Translation actually, and this is a, this is a big one for the church, but the Passion Translation, well, anybody really, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. So the, the passion talks about the wound as a weight. That offense that we talked about, that is one of the biggest things, holding an offense and a bitterness in you that can hold you back from experiencing blessing in your life. Walking in love is a big deal. And we're actually not going to go into this verse, but actually the, the, the scripture, that is another thing that, that um, gives a display of what a disciple is, and that is our love toward one another. It's a big deal. 
So we're not going to go into that because Mark did such a great job on that one. You should go back and listen to it last month. Uh, but every weight, laying aside every weight. Guys, I don't, I mean, this is how progression in discipleship and following the Lord happens is that throughout your life, he will deal with you different things to, to lay aside different things, to adjust, he'll address different things. Aren't you so happy he doesn't do it all at once? Praise the Lord. We would be buried. We wouldn't be able to, to make it. But he says, okay, and he knows, because he's perfect, exactly which one right now that is a weight. And he's telling us to lay those aside. To lay aside is to cast away, to remove, to abandon, and reject. He's just just abandon. You don't have, okay, well, I'm going to prepare to lay aside this weight. Now just, just lay it aside. Just get rid of it. Just make the adjustment. Just make the adjustment. You say that's difficult. Yeah, it can be. But the fruit that comes from obedience is so good. And then what else happens when we obey and we humble ourselves? He gives more grace. So when we humble ourselves, all right, Lord, I'm listening. I submit to that. Yep, let's do that. More grace comes to you. More grace comes to you. I don't know if we really understand what grace is. <laughs> Grace is his ability. And we're actually going to look at that in this scripture, that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Right? That's in this scripture. But, um, so what are the things in our life that he has been speaking to us about? Man, I'm so glad he's patient. Because some things in my life, I'm just going to be very transparent with you. Some things in my life, he's probably been speaking to me for a few months. Make the adjustment. Make the adjustment. Now I'm getting quicker than I used to be. Praise the Lord. But it's important that we make the adjustments. It's vital that we make the adjustments. Now is the time. And I felt like, man, this just came in me strong. And we talked about the beginning of this. Remember the two scriptures that the Lord gave me for this church about heeding and hearing the word of God. If you have ears to hear, let them hear. It's about that, that gleaning that the Lord is asking us to do about what he's been saying to us, what he's been saying to you sitting here, what he's been saying through the, the, the ministers that have been up here, the, the messages that have been spoken. What is God saying to us? And I felt like, man, this came strong in me. Now is the time to hear what the Lord is saying and make the adjustments and make the corrections. He wants to reveal himself through his church. We are there. He wants to reveal himself through his church. 
Make the adjustments. Make the adjustments. In verse 2, it says, well, let me finish up verse 1. It says, so lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Each of you has a race that God planned and it's his will. Each of you have a race. Keep that in mind. Looking, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Kingdom-minded, not distracted by the temporal. Even Jesus had to keep his eyes set on what was set before him, right? Even Jesus had to do that. And what do we have to do? We keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the beginning. The author is the source of our faith, and he is the finisher, the end. And that same spirit that was with him and in him to be able to start the race and finish it is the same spirit that's in us to be able to start and finish well. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Not a copy, not a portion, not a piece. The same exact spirit lives in you. And Jesus was our example. He was the beginning. He's the source of our faith. And if we just keep our eyes on him and continue to move forward toward him, listen, that is how we experience his victories in our lives. It's not because we're so great and we're so awesome, but it's because we keep our eyes on the one who won every single victory that we will ever need. We keep our eyes there. And I think a lot of that's what, why he's talking about weights and sins, because those can draw your eyes to looking and focusing too much on the natural and missing where our focus is supposed to be. And that's directly in his eyes. You say, I got to walk around like this all day? No, his eyes are not right there. You know? Looking into his eyes and gazing at him is being in his word, looking into his word, spending time praying with him. What do you have to say? Acknowledging him in your life, but that is keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. If we're not focused on Jesus, our faith will never be complete. Author means he is the source and initiator of true faith. Because he did, we can. Ooh, hallelujah. Because he did, we can. But if we take our eyes off Jesus, then we're doing it in our own power and our own ability, and that is nothing compared to keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keep the course. Stay kingdom-minded. Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? Being aware of him speaking to you at all times. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Wednesday nights. 
but all the time thinking, listen, this will be life to you. This will be life to your situation. This will be life to your health, to your body. It's by keeping our focus on him, not getting offended at what he tells us to do, not getting offended at what he tells us to lay aside, none of that, but saying, God, you know more, putting him in that right place of honor and reverence in our life, that we actually are seeking out his face to find out what do you have to say, trusting him enough to know that when we do that, it always leads to more life and more freedom. Always. Never does he ever lead to death or loss. Never does he do that. His victories cannot be applied through the flesh. He is the starting line and the finish. We keep our eyes on him. We keep our eyes on him, amen? Real quick, the Wycliffe says, beholding into the maker of faith, the perfect ender, Jesus. The New Living Translation in that says, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Ooh, he's a champion. If you wanna be a champion, you keep your eyes on Jesus. We're champions in him. Not through our own way, not through our own will, not through our own selfish ambition. We're only champions through his. That is the only way. Amen? We took, uh, the passion says we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation on Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward in faith's perfection. So we're kingdom-minded and raising our kids. That was one thing that really helped because I'm like, man, I want them to do all of this stuff. Lord, help me find out the gifts in them because I can't do all of them. And he'll help you, kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded in our job, in our decisions, kingdom-minded in our marriage, in our relationships, what we speak, our actions. We're the ones that govern all these areas by staying fixed on him. Focused, laser-focused. And it's not a quick glance, it's a remaining on him, remaining in him, amen? All right, I guess that was the fastest 45 minutes ever. <laughs> but I trust you guys got something, I trust you hear the heart in it. I really believe it is the Lord saying to us, come on, let's go, let's go higher here. Let's go higher. Let's go higher, amen? Father, we just thank you and we praise you for your word, Lord. We're just so honored, Lord, that you are calling us to just greater things, Lord. Deeper places. Help us to see those. Help us to see the weights. Help us to see what we're to lay aside in this day and in this hour. To be that conduit of heaven. To be that one that just releases you in every part of our life, we thank you for it. We give you all the praise. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.